Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. We're about to have a holiday weekend. It is Friday, July 3rd. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is the early line right here on Sports Grid. I'm Dane Martinez. This is my main man, Kevin Walsh. And we put the fun and functional sports content every weekday morning, getting you off to a good start. That's what it is, giving you the edge right early in the morning. Kev, you know, we're transitioning, talking a lot about baseball. We'll continue our two-a-days in the AL East in this show, talking to Toronto Blue Jays and the Tampa Bay Rays. But, you know, we haven't talked about basketball in a, you know, in a day or so. And, Kev, the same situations continue to pile on, right? Players are still a little bit unsure on if they want to take on the risk of going to Orlando and being in that bubble which, by the way, is not a bubble. I've said it before. I'll say it again. And there's also testing is happening. And, Kev, remember when we were all excited because it was only like 5%? It was only like 16 players out of like 300 that had test positive. Well, I don't think that number is 16 anymore, Kev. Yeah, you know, it's been tough to kind of tell with the growing number of positives if how many of those people fit into the 16 yeah. Um, you know, we had talked about, right, DeAndre Dor- Jordan and Spencer Dinwiddie with the Brooklyn Nets. To be to be honest, and I, at the time, I definitely thought it, and I know you did as well, that we didn't think those guys were a part of the 16 initial positive tests. Right. But then the next day, the Nets announced that they were reopening their facility, <laughs> which means that we didn't hear about the facility closing down, which maybe they then were a part of that 16. Yeah. You know, I'm almost wondering if the testing is going to be done in rounds. So I guess maybe the big weight is round two. I think the biggest thing for me, Dane, right now that I'm just trying to figure out is, I mean, we are now less than a week away from when teams are supposed to be showing up to the bubble. And we were supposed to have a significant advanced notice as to who would be traveling with these teams. I believe the ideal first date for them was June 24th. Mm-hmm. Then um, I remember Woj kind of tweeted out. He goes, there's pretty much an understanding now that that date has been moved to July 1st because of players, you know, trying to see if they're going to be exempt or not when they Indecision. make that yeah. decision. <laughs> and we've crossed that threshold now. And I have not seen a, a roster sliding across the table now. Right. Here's who's coming. Here's who's not. I'm just seeing more indecision. And I'm not saying I don't understand that indecision. I get it. Absolutely. The question I'm I'm just trying to figure out is, are we going to push back the arrival date? Right. Like, what's kind of what's our timeline? Are we still on right. the same timeline? My expectations are, I still think this is why the NBA, again, gave themselves Metal this runway. much runway. But, you know, right now, we do seem to be off track a little bit. Yeah, and, and, you know, remember how over the last couple of days we had guys like George Kurtz and Cam on, and we talked about that NHL lottery, right? And we said that it just didn't sound right. Like, you had to have the season finished to know the standings, to know, like, the ping-pong balls for a lottery, and we couldn't do that yet. Well, the same thing is happening in the process of the NBA, right? That's why I'm always talking here, Kev, about the formal stages of the process and that progress. We thought players had to decide on June 24th, right? And then there was going to be this transaction window where guys like Boogie Cousins and Jamal Crawford and J.R. Smith, right? That was supposed to be done by now. But we can't do that if people are still up in the air on if they're going to go. And they're still, you know, testing. We have a lot of players that are now coming up positive, so we don't know how many holes there are to fill. I mean, everyone loves the Pelicans, Kev, right? Mm -hmm. The schedule is easy in the bubble. Zion looks crazy. But three of the players on the Pelicans have tested positive. That is a 25% rate. And then you hear, you know, David Griffin, you know, acknowledge this. Listen to what he says, Kev. 
We've had multiple players test positive uh, the very first day. We've had none since, um, and we are dealing with those as we as we go along. Okay, so like three players, we don't know who, and we know about the HIPAA and all that stuff, but three out of 12, there's a quarter of a chance that that's Zion even. Who knows? And that's not even, Kev. Remember the Pels also have one of those elderly head coaches in Alvin Gentry that it sounds like he is going to go to the bubble but that's one the Nuggets have like shut down their facility because members of their traveling party tested positive for COVID I mean the tests keep coming up positive Kev yeah I, I think the Pelicans point is is one I hadn't necessarily considered right of Alvin Gentry can do everything right but if his players end up testing positive then is that where they go, okay, listen, yeah. now we're really talking about this high-risk situation. It's a risk now. for him. 25% like, of the bench has. <laughs> right. And I don't know, like, do you personally feel like we got closure on Not the yet. topic surrounding Mike D'Antoni, Alvin Gentry, and Greg Popovich? No, and I what don't. I would say, and, and, and no is the answer to your question, Kev. And I would even broaden it out more. Because remember, that was only – you know, those were the three names that we automatically thought of because of the age being the risk. That story was bigger than that, Kev. That was not just the older people, right? But that players and everyone would have to submit their medical records to an independent panel that would make decisions. We all had the knee-jerk reaction because we thought it was unfair and ageist, right? But that story was bigger. That was about putting medical records out there. And no, I haven't heard more on that. You're right. Because we didn't know if the NBA had the right to do anything about that. Yeah. So, and that's kind of just the interesting idea of like maybe the NBA folded might sound like a bad word, but um, I'm kind of lacking another right now yeah, yeah, yeah. on this idea of the age will stop you from going. Mm -hmm. But we also, we've yet to see someone be labeled medically not cleared to show up to the bubble based on like an, a pre-existing condition. We've only heard about it that the player making that choice. Now, maybe, Kev, to, to make it like sound better and you like the way the sausage is made and all that stuff, maybe behind the curtain, if the way they're doing it is if the doctors or whatever and they are high risk, there's a conversation there. And they're yeah. telling you, yo, bro, it's really for you, maybe you should really seriously consider not going. And then the way the public receives it is that that player has opted out. You know, like Tabo Cephalosha, for example. Maybe that sure. happened because, as a result of the medical it's screening and they tell him and then he's like, okay, I'm not going. And that looks a lot better, right, than being told you can't go. I think though, does it? I don't know that I, I mean, in a way because so, it depends. So I know for for someone like yourself, right? You're you would rather see someone make that decision on their own, right? I would rather are, them be able to have the right to make their decision. Yes. Right. But I know that there are also people, right? And I, I, you know, I think those people are a bit foolish. But there are people out there who have seen some of these athletes opt out and they were like, "Oh, come on, you should be wanting to play." I mean, again, I'm not I'm not saying that those voices sure. are right. What sure. I'm saying is, we actually though haven't got basically what would be considered if I'm understanding this correctly, an exempt player, or at least it hasn't been explicitly explained to us. It hasn't been categorized Sabo as Cephalosha right. received an exemption and will not be showing up to Houston or by, like the Deandre Jordan case, right. Is probably an interesting one. If you had to, and I don't know if this is even worth guessing and I'm not sure if it matters in the long run. Right. But Deandre Jordan's decision to not show up because he tested positive. I can't imagine that they could rightfully withhold game checks from him. I mean, that sounds like something that you should be able to say, hey, this is why I'm not coming in the NBA right. being like, okay. That's like the health to opt out and still get paid in Major League Baseball if the health concern is valid. But you're right. And there's still other people that are unsure. And you're right about this timeline. I thought they had to declare this already a while back. And remember, Kev, when we were talking about the insurance, the young stars, one of the names was Victor Oladipo. And that was about a week or two ago. And guess what? He's still unsure. To your point, Kev, listen to what Oladipo had to say yesterday. No, I haven't made a decision just yet. Um, no, just taking it one day at a time. You know, I feel like when the day comes, I'll know. So, um, you know, I, I, I appreciate you know, my teammates and uh, this organization for backing me and supporting me with, with whatever decision I make. But, you know, at the same time, I'm trying to 
focus on my knee and getting as strong as possible and seeing where I'm at. So, it's, like I said, I'm taking it one day at a time. Okay, so there you go, Kev. Like, and you know, Victor Oladipo, all-star caliber player, Indiana, the four-five seed in the East. I know you don't think they necessarily have a chance to actually win the championship, but this is a big-name player, and he is still unsure. Bradley Beal. All-star caliber player, still unsure. So I think you're right, Kev. Like, where are we in the timeline? Are we in the transaction window? We can't be in the transaction window because we don't know how many holes there are still left to fill on these rosters. Yeah, and I guess for Oladipo, like, an Oladipo situation is pretty unique in the sense that he he wants to play, but he is someone that fits the idea of, like, I need insurance for my long-term contract. And the pot of the gold at the end of the rainbow is real close. And Oladipo, though, I think, really has to be very cautious here because pretty much the Pacers exhibited to him that they will use his injury history against him and offer him less money as evidenced by that four-year $80 million offer they laid on him. Like, if I were Oladipo, to be honest with you, I wouldn't be going. That four-year $80 million contract told me they are not they're not going to do right by me. I to like it's not worth the risk, right? right. Now, whereas Washington and Bertans are playing nice together, right? Which apparently, yeah, apparently they, you know, and they maybe kind that of helps him be like, maybe I'll resign here. <laughs> yes, I think for for Oladipo as well, right? He might show up, be on the roster, and then the Pacers will just see how it plays out. I, I mean, to be honest with you, like, because I have the 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 tweet here that Woj had sent out back on June 23rd, where, right, he wrote Wednesday, so that was supposed to be the 24th. (laughs) Wednesday is turning out to be a soft target date for players to opt out Ah, of Orlando unless they want to enter process process to be placed on excused slash protected list to keep salary. Teams are largely treating July 1 as a deadline, which is when rosters of eligible players are due to the NBA. Here's the best that too, Kev. That's the thing. So, and I and I just went over. I just pulled up, you know, a random team. I went over to the Philadelphia yeah. 76ers Twitter account. I mean, they tweeted once on July 1st, right? And it was just them showing an like saying like, yeah. "Hey, on TV tonight, we're having a Sixers yeah. game." But there was no roster, right? And like you, I mean, you and I are far too active in, on like oh, trying to check things in the sports world that we missed the roster on. Load. I hear you. This is clearly a soft deadline, and we should talk about some of the reasons on why that may be the case, Kev, because. You know, it's things we've talked about before. It's things I've said before. Maybe it's the fact that the state of Florida is spiking out of control right now. Oh, yeah. And they won't be the only tenants in the bubble. We'll talk about that and more when we come back. We're off and running. It's the early line giving you the edge right here on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back into the early line. Kevin and I looking at the NBA. We haven't gone there. We didn't go there yesterday, the day before, because there wasn't a lot of news, you know, Kev, and we expect there to be because it was like deadline day, right? We thought we were going to get this transaction window happening. We thought we were going to get signings. Guys like, you know, Jamal Crawford and Iman Shumpert were supposed to join these teams. They did not. And part of it we're realizing is because people still haven't completely declared if they're coming or not. We just played sound Victor Oladipo, still unsure. We talked about Bradley Beal is now unsure and some others, you know, and the positive tests continue. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so we don't even know really how many roster spots need to be filled. And I think that is an issue. And kind of as Florida continues to spike, as we continue to see this virus Going in the wrong direction in this country, Kev, I've been saying it the whole time. The European Union flattened the curve, and that is what allowed for sports to return. We are trying to allow for sports to return when, you know, it's still out there. 
right? And so that is kind of what I think has a lot of people still concerned. Dame Dollar, clearly an all-star level talent who has talked about this before. You know, Kev, he broke out your confidence meter and he kept on saying, it ain't great right now. It ain't great right now. And maybe he's giving insight into why these deadlines are being pushed back. Maybe there is real concern about from NBA players to enter into what is a risky environment. Listen to what he had to say, Kev. My confidence ain't great. My confidence ain't great because you telling me you're going to have, you know, 22 teams full of players follow all the rules? Like, when we have 100% freedom, everybody don't follow all the rules. So I don't have much confidence, but hopefully, you know, it'll be it'll be handled to a point where, like, we're not putting it. All right, Kev, so you love the confidence meters. Dan mm -hmm. Dollar's confidence, it's, it's, it's dropping, bro. And now we don't know where his confidence meters start. I do think that sure. this is continuing evidence, though, that a confidence meter is real, and I feel more and more uh, justified in that belief. The thing, though, is, right, depending on, again, where he landed on the spectrum, and as, as silly as that sounds, but legitimately, right, it probably it, it should probably be going down just based on the COVID right, situation like objectively, in Florida. Going well and right? exactly according to plan. <laughs> right, like, you know, like, just kind of the way things are. I will say this to you, though, and I, and I wonder if maybe this is a bit of a um, insight into kind of how right now I'm kind of, I guess, confident about the NBA. You know, I, I have my tweet notifications on for the big reporters in the All NBA, right? right? And uh, Shams had an interview with Dame because he was on – he's being announced for the cover of NBA 2K1, right. right? And every time I saw Dame's name, I went, oh, is he out? Like, that, right. that's – like, legitimately, like – so that's, that's a kind of – reaction at this point in time, right? right? Like, that's the, the insight, I think, right now into at least how someone like myself is kind of – when you see these names, that's what you start to wonder Right. And whether I'm thinking about that and then initially going to turn it into betting analysis or like, oh, man, that's just sure. like shame. Obviously, it goes both directions. But yeah, again, like I, I understand why the confidence can be dwindling. Right. Because, I mean, also, they are seeing some positive tests. And I, I think the biggest thing right now that I know I don't have an answer to is the difference in the symptomatic versus asymptomatic nature of this disease and how that determines whether or not these guys are good to go. Mike Malone, when speaking to the press the other day, was talking about Jokic and said he's not uh, in the States yet, but when we're traveling on Tuesday to Orlando, we expect him to be on that plane and we know he's excited and ready to go. And we heard that Jokic was asymptomatic and they're kind of, you know, they feel like they're going to be all good on that front. So that makes me then believe, right, that this asymptomatic nature of the disease means that these guys are going to be able to go full workouts, full health, no issues had. But then on the vice versa, this does mean, right, that someone like Spencer Dinwiddie, I mean, maybe we should just be talking about it as if he is out, right? And if he surprises us, okay. Right, it's like innocent until proven and, guilty or guilty until proven innocent. What right. should be the out default until, assumption? Right. Exactly. If you're symptomatic, out until otherwise, if you're asymptomatic, in until otherwise, is seemingly right. the way to go. Yeah, I hear you. It, 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 it's just getting more and more complicated, Kev. And you know how I always say, like, oh, the NFL will be able to follow the blueprint, right? And that's starting to get a little bit cloudy as well. Well, I, I'm sorry, Kev. You know, we've always had this confident thing back and forth and whatever. And I know you're, you love the NBA, and I'm not trying to put cold water on it. But... I, there's another element of like following the blueprint that doesn't look so good right now. And it's that MLS is going ahead of the NBA, right? They're in the bubble already. First games of that MLS's back tournament is supposed to start next week. Okay. And so they are closer to games happening, right? Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, there's bad news out of the MLS as well, right? Because they're testing their players and all that in order to be able to go to the bubble. Um, specifically, FC Dallas. Remember, a team coming out of Dallas, spiking COVID state, right? And it's not like NBA teams aren't coming out of spiking COVID states also. But they had six members of their team, FC Dallas, Kev, who were negative 
were able to go into the bubble and then tested positive after entry into the bubble. We've talked about this before. Disney employees are able to come and go as they please. In essence, the bubble is not an actual bubble of protection. The LA Times is reporting that the MLS's back tournament is on thin ice. Uh, Zachary Binney and epidemiologist of Oxford says it all depends on what we see in terms of positive tests in the next week or so. There's other people that are saying this is uh, really concerning because now what happens when you're getting the test days before, it's okay, we've said this, right? NBA te players test positive now, cool. They've got time to clear symptoms and all this, right? These players are testing positive after getting into the bubble and within days of when they're supposed to play, that upsets the apple cart, right? So now what do we do? And that would be, Kev, if like you have a rash of players testing in the NBA once they've gone in the bubble with only days left until games. Well, that's what's happened for the MLS. So Damian Lillard, again, has said some things about, well, this virus isn't like a bigger basketball fan than a soccer fan. Mm. If it can happen for the MLS and all the precautions, it can happen for the NBA too. And it's not a good look. Listen to Dame Dollar. What I think with, with the NBA, you know, when we get there, it's a immediate test and then go to our room. So that basically like the first 36 hours of us being there is in isolation. And when we do come out, it's just to be tested and go back. So we got to have a few negative tests before um, I guess we're free to, to move around. And it's still like restrictions on, you know, what we can do as far as, you know, the, the contact that we come in with other people. But that is scary, the fact that they was testing negative and as soon as they get there, all of a sudden, like, they're testing positive. So, um, you know, we'll see, man. Um, I think if, that's, if that becomes a problem, I could see it being, you know, called off. All right, so Kev, we've been talking about this, right? And this idea that, you know, MLS is a major American team sport. These are world-class athletes. They have similar procedures, right? They need it to test. They get into the bubble. But, Kev, there's a rash of an outbreak of these athletes after getting into the bubble. They're sharing stuff here. Uh, Dame Dollar is noticing. What do you say? So this is really interesting. It Here we go, wrestling. Um, But this <laughs> is, to me, where I think they're, it's potentially an analogy, right? And where... Another group's lack of preparation might impact the other. For anybody that follows wrestling, right, currently in the WWE, weren't doing testing and mm. letting some positive tests, right? There was, right? Mr. Taz made that point on a microphone, but that's what He sure did, the Slavi Shops. <laughs> um, right? One of the WWE talents is married to an AW superstar, and that's then when people started to be a bit worried. And you're like, but AW, for, for the most part, done everything on on you know right on their part and you're like another group sloppiness could mess this up for us right and to call the mls sloppy might be a stretch it's the same procedure though they were testing and testing before they arrived they still again it's just there's such a gap in the runway the idea that they're on thin ice though dane right the the, the nba they're gonna get there on the seventh eighth and ninth that's still almost three weeks away from when games are supposed to start. Like, they've provided themselves so much time. Now, it's not to say that everything's going to go off without oh, here's a hitch. the problem, though. They were negative upon entry. They got it after arriving in the bubble, Kevin. So I don't care how long the runway is, if it's right. two weeks, three weeks. There are people who are going to test positive then, days before, like, after that runway has right. been but used up. But the thing is, so what was their arrival date in Orlando? Because the reason why that's relevant is okay. what we've seen from this virus is you can test negative and then end up being positive, right? right. And symptoms aren't always don't always right. show up again. So that's going to happen in the arrival. NBA also. Right. But if they're but if when they're in the bubble, they're getting there 3 weeks away from games. Right. Yeah. Now, the idea of the bubble being the, penetrated yes. is a is it, but that's separate. And we also I, like I'm no, unaware. That's, separate, of how that's much, the whole point of this. That's what this news story describes. But do is how much is, is not are, are the MLS supposed to be integrating with the NBA? Are they their own separate bubbles? 
No. What I'm saying is, what this news means to me, Kevin, at least, is that the bubble is not a bubble. There were players who were negative. Now they're testing positive after being in the bubble. So it, the bubble doesn't protect you, Kevin. Well, the idea, though, is that they picked up COVID in the bubble. And yes. that's what I'm saying is not 100% guaranteed through this pro. That's not 100% guaranteed. But the flip side is also true. Okay, so when you talk about the runway that the NBA has, that's nice and all. But if the bubble isn't a bubble, then what happens when players test positive after the runway has been used up? FC Dallas has a game on Wednesday, and now six of their players are positive. And what I'm saying, because this bubble isn't a bubble, I understand what you're saying, that the NBA has this whole runway, but that doesn't matter. Kevin, because the bubble is compromised. So the same thing will happen on July 24th, uh, July 27th for six NBA players because the bubble is not a bubble. That's what I'm saying. I, and, and I will see. I mean, that, that, that's kind of more so to me. I, I just, I'm not positive that that's exactly how it's going to play out with them showing up on the 7th, 8th, and 9th, and the game's not being supposed to take place for the 30th. players more immune than soccer players? It's not about being immune. It's about when they picked the disease up. And that's what I'm saying is, depending on the arrival date, I'm not sure that that's where they picked it up from. The, right. the nature of the disease remains unknown for the most part. I hear you, but what it also sort of proves to me is that the bubble is not airtight. <laughs> and so then, just the same way we talk about it, it's gonna happen. We talk about it some more when we come back. The early line, right here on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're watching SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line. Kevin and I going to make the change to baseball. We know that soccer and the bubble and the NBA, it is an interesting process. And to be quite honest, Kev, we're right in the middle of it, right? Players are deciding. Tests are popping up. Decisions are being made. Contingency plans are being thought of. And that's going to be the situation. As we know, it, it continues to be a very fluid situation pardon the pun but we do go to our two a days and we start we keep it in the al east but we go to the toronto blue jays and kev the first thing i gotta ask you is listen this is the team that's in another country mm. so you know how going into the season at first pre-covid we were all like oh man and the houston astros are gonna have to just deal with so much extra stuff on the road this year from fans and banging garbage tans do you think now that moves to the Toronto Blue Jays? Are they, do they have, like, more weighing down on them? Because literally every road trip for them is a lot more hoops to jump through than anybody else as they literally cross country lines. And as you know, going into and out of the United States in this pandemic is not easy. The quarantine stuff. Is it just going to be harder for Toronto than anybody else? I think it, I think it's quite possible. I think it's quite possible that they don't play a home game. Now, maybe maybe they work things out with them. I think there's this expectation that they're going to be able to hold their camp at the Rogers Center. Right. But, like, man, I'm not sure how simple this is going to be for them to be able to have teams coming in and, and them constantly coming out. Now, them playing, if they played 60 road games, honestly, it wouldn't concern me a ton because of the whole fans thing, like if there's probably not a ton of fans, maybe they're locked in the whole time and maybe right. it's okay for them. Where them playing road games solely is really difficult to get around is they then are now the only team in a bubble. They don't get to go home. They don't get to see their families right now. Again, yeah. some of them, that's good. They stay safe. But that's There are some of them who don't want that. And that's the danger in all of this. So I guess the expectation is going to be that they will be playing games at the Rogers Center and this will work out. I mean, 
I guess we just have to work off that assumption, Dane, because it would be too much, I guess, to put into a breakdown of a team. They're going to host no home games, right? Like it's the same thing in hour number two, when we're going to talk about the Tampa Bay Rays, right? Like it's a very similar situation. I still maintain. I think this is why we've not gotten a baseball schedule yet, because I don't think baseball knows what, what they're going to do with a lot of these places. Can they send the Rays and the Marlins and the Blue Jays out on the road for the first 20 games of the season? Well, you remember also in part of that Major League Baseball in their plan, one of the things that we discussed was that Major League Baseball has the right to relocate a franchise if there is a spike in that area. Toronto, I think, just complicates it because of the extra government involved. But you're right. We're going to talk Tampa and these Florida teams may need to. In the same way we just talked about in the NBA, they're like – you know, this is why we didn't get a schedule in Major League Baseball, because we don't know what franchises should still be in their markets. You know, in the NBA, we don't have rosters because we haven't had the transition window because we don't know if people are showing up yet or not. Right. It's a it's a domino effect. Right. So I think that is interesting. But let's get on the field for the Toronto Blue Jays. You know, for me, this is kind of an exciting team. If you subscribe to the theory that these young kids going max effort, right, can kind of get off to hot starts and not be caught. I know we'll talk about their offense, but we do want to start with one new face in this place. And for me, the biggest new face for the Toronto Blue Jays is former Dodgers pitcher Hinjin Ryu. This is a guy, listen, he was a Cy Young candidate, right? He was pitching to like a two ERA for a lot with the Dodgers. He's kind of, in my opinion, the only starting pitcher for the Blue Jays now mm. that I think would be fantasy viable. What do you think about the impact of Hinjin Ryu joining this rotation, changing leagues, especially, you know, he's a pitcher who, if you're not familiar with his stuff and his movement, it might be tough the first two times you see him. Yeah, that's a good point. I, you know, the thing with Ryu, as long as he's healthy, he's been pretty consistently good. And last right. year, he was able to pitch 29 games, which the, which was the most he'd pitched since he debuted back in 2013. And he finished second in Cy Young voting to Jacob deGrom. There you I go. mean, pretty much just like is like, like sleepwalking to, to that award, right? Like he's just so uh I'll so take good. the field if you take deGrom this year. I'll take the field. No, that's I mean, we've talked we, we've talked about that very briefly. I won't be doing that. Uh, I won't be taking the odds on right. Mike Trout plus 135. Wild. He's so good, but it's also crazy. Um, but Ryu, right, was second last year, actually, in that Cy Young Award. So the idea that they got themselves an ace, I understand, like, for some people, when you think, give me the 10 best pitchers in baseball. Right. You might get yeah. less off that list more times than not. But they might have picked themselves up a genuine ace. What I think is really interesting is, because of the nature of this reset, there's a chance that we see Nate Pearson, right, who's one of the best pitching prospects in all of baseball, and Mm. we see him added to this rotation. And if that happens, Pearson's stuff and the hype around him, now sometimes guys don't hit the ground running, but if Pearson actually became a number one, Ryu is an all-world number two for a baseball team. And Mm. that's going to be, I think, the big thing for this team, right, is is how does their pitching – right? Help get them over the threshold because there's so much that on the offensive side that we're excited about. So if Pearson can come, or even if Pearson ends up being the number two to Ryu's number one as, as a model of consistency, right, right, right. It's Ryu, then this pitching staff, all of a sudden you start to get a little bit more excited about. Yeah, I think that is true. All right. Nate Pearson, you know, kind of a, a young kid coming up and again, could be a diamond in the rough, a nice little name to know, Kevin. Good find, right, to let people know out there. But listen, I'm excited when you talk about rookies and kids. I'm excited about the Blue Jays offense in that vein. Right. So I know we're going to talk about that. You want to talk about some of their futures bets, though, first. OK, let's look at some of the numbers associated with the Toronto Blue Jays. OK, they're winning. Their win total right now is twenty seven and a half over at the FanDuel Sportsbook. So that's what, like two games below 500 in essence, right? Twenty seven, twenty eight. And they are 12 to one odds to win the division. Before we get into it, I know you said we were fading Boston I don't want to say that they're going to win the division, but can you see the Blue Jays being like kind of a team that gets hot? We're going to talk about their young offense. It seems like you like the potential of Ryu. You like the potential of Pearson, right? Are you are you high on these Blue Jays, Kev? 
They are, again, another team that has made me very upset that we will not be getting an expanded playoffs this season because this this group having a chance to kind of crack um, into the playoffs and see what they could do would be really exciting. And I think we would then be getting some yes-no playoff bets. I, I remember I said to you, I was like, I wonder if we'll still get those. And then I realized, definitely not. Because it's only three division spots, and then it's just these two wild card games. And people debate whether that's the postseason or or not, right? So we probably won't be getting those yes-no bets, which is unfortunate because when we did our roster research in the NFL, it was some of my favorite stuff to go over. This team last year was 22-38 and through 60 games. They closed up the season with 67 wins, which is prorated to 24.8 wins um, in a 60-game sample size. Um, you know, and I, I went through a couple different um, projections. Some preseason thought that they maybe could be about a 28 and a half. Um, some people with the reset think that they're maybe about a 28 win team. It's right there on the number. On That's the what number. you see a lot of times with these projections. You're not going to find four game windows. And otherwise, it'll be right, bet right, down right. and that edge will be gone. They certainly, though, are a team to me that has the potential to get over this number. And I think the question for the Blue Jays is do you believe they can finish third in the American League East? And, you know, I wonder if we would ever get a, a, a specific bet Division, to that degree. Right. But if that was there, I would be intrigued by that. You expect that the top of the AL East is going to be pretty strong with the Rays and the Yanks. And Baltimore, as much as we're all in on Baltimore, and I, yes, I'm pulling you into this, by the way. You have no choice but to be all in on Baltimore with cool. me. Um but they're going to still be terrible. And if Boston does start to bottom out as well, can the Blue Jays do enough versus the top, feast on the bottom, and get themselves to at least that 500 number? So here's a question for you. You know, if they get to that 500 number, if you if you have a little bit of love for this Toronto team and you think they could finish third, you know, we always look about ways to skin the cat. Why don't you just bet the Blue Jays over and the Red Sox under? Because I believe the Red Sox were at 30 and a half, right? So for this to happen... Right. Uh, the Blue Jays would have to finish above Boston. And that would, in essence, mean Toronto's going over their number and Boston's going under theirs. Why don't you just, you know, proverbially skin the cat that way? Yeah. And I, I think it's I think it's a really good point. Right. Because you can't if the Blue Jays finish third, there's a winning bet in there somewhere for you. Right. Right. <laughs> now, maybe, maybe Boston's so bad. The Blue Jays still don't get over right, that. The third place team wins 27 games. I, that That's possible. Right. Um, so that and, that and that's a good point right now. Sometimes do you want to go double down on bets? I think one of the things that um, when we're you know done going through all of these teams, my expectation is to probably come away here with somewhere in the range of five to seven win totals that I'm like, interested in. Yeah. Um, you know, do I want the Blue Jays and the Red Sox to occupy two of them? And that's the with the Baltimore Orioles, maybe uh, like that would be three <laughs> for three, Dane. That would be yeah. Really so you got to fix yourself. You can't love everything, Kev. Right, and that and that's the thing. I don't know if the Blue Jays are a team that I love. I don't know if they're a team that <laughs> I am this over the moon to bet because there are also one of the things with this team. It does seem like, and I know we're going to get into um, you know the other side of the plate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there are some injury concerns. It seems like each guy kind of you know has these dinged up. They get nicked up. They're an exciting group. I understand why anybody would be playing over on them. I'm not going to be looking to play under on them, but they're probably a team that would end up getting left out of, say, a final five favorite win total plays. Right. That is fair, but I also think it's fair that you're putting that caveat. If there were the expanded playoffs and instead of five teams in the American League, there were eight teams in the American League. Remember, we did that, right? That 538 article with the variance, the compressed season, the expanded playoffs. And boy, Kevin, is that not coming to fruition? You know, this idea. And could Toronto have been a team that take a step forward? I'm going to talk about them on the other side of the break as though they can, you know, because they have so many young kids. I want to ask you this as we go to break Kevin you know like everybody seems to be high on the Chicago White Sox why because of their young studs Yoan Moncada Eloy Jimenez you know gonna take that step forward and go off well why can't Bo Bichette Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Kevin Biggio do the same thing and be you know a squad that takes that step forward we will discuss because you know their adps are certainly around the same level we keep talking about the toronto blue jays giving you the edge right here it's the early line come on back sports group you know what it is
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line here on SportsGrid. Dane and Kevin, we're doing our two-a-days. We're focused in this hour on the Toronto Blue Jays. And, Kev, I started mentioning it, you know, literally so far. Every time we bring in someone, right, we had Kurtz on, we had Cam on, and we're like, ooh, in this condensed season, who's a team you kind of like that can take advantage of it? And there's a conventional wisdom out there, the idea that some of the kids can get off to hot starts, you know, whether you believe in that or not. Everyone, Kev, seems to talk about the Chicago White Sox as a team that, you know, and I'm thinking about it, there's like Yoan Moncada, there's Eloy Jimenez, stud, young kids, who everyone expects to take steps forward and lead Chicago into contention, right? Mm-hmm. And I understand they got some pitching, right? They have they have a Keuchel, they have a Kopech, they have a Giolito. I get it. And Toronto has Ryu, is not as deep in the rotation. Absolutely. Absolutely. But if people believe in these White Sox kids to the tune where the White Sox are now 16-1 to to win the American League, why is Toronto 50-1 to to win the American League when they have kids just the same? Their kids were just as hyped. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. received more hype than... Eloy Jimenez or Yoan Moncada. When I think about Bo Bichette, Biggio's kid, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., like these are kids that can rake. What's the difference in perception, Kev? I guess people are just more excited about the White Sox. And, okay. and I don't know if maybe they're less excited about the Twins and the Indians. Right. I'm not sure if it's, you know, over Yankees love and people are worried about right. the Blue Jays. Maybe they, you know, the Blue Jays are supposed, and maybe this is just as much as, the Blue Jays right now are still favored to be fourth in their division, where yeah. the White Sox are favored to be third. And maybe that's just a gap where people don't know how much can you boost up a team yeah. right? kind of in this schedule. I just want to say, though, when it comes to these three guys, I think they have a chance to be one of the most unique pairings in baseball, certainly that I feel like I've ever seen. Which three? Because I got, I got four with the uh, second generation. Bichette. Yep. Vlad. Yep. Kevin Biggio. Lourdes Guriel Jr. doesn't fit in that mix. Is he also second generation? I believe so. Wow. I could be wrong, but I believe. I but mean, the Blue Jays have even said that they do this purposefully. Yeah. Okay, that's part of their approach because they like the, you know, they like the DNA of these guys. But go ahead. Right. My thing with, because I'm not, I'm not sure where Lourdes fans, and I know everyone talks about it with Bo Biggio and Vlad, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Go ahead. So I'm just gonna. Li- the thing, right, that became. Remember when big threes became the thing in the NBA, and we're so we've got the best big threes, blah 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 blah, right? If I ask you for a big three in baseball, what you're really going to probably offer me though is just the team's three best players, right? But you don't think about genuine I big three. Think about it as a big three. Actually, I would think about it as three starting pitchers as a big three. Right. You don't see it right. Like it's just not very a traditional way of thinking about baseball. But these three guys all up at the same time, all of them second-generation talents, all of them seemingly really, really good. The idea that, because they have then the ability to be so likable. Right. Because everybody loved everybody loved Vlad, right? Yes. So instantly you see Vlad Jr. and you're like, I love this dude. Craig Biggio was a stud. To be honest with you, I don't remember Bo's dad, okay? But I'm sure still plenty oh, people Dante do. Bichette? Yeah. But so for, for someone like yourself, right? You go, oh, yeah. man, look at like look at these yeah. kids. This is Make awesome to get to watch them play. But even someone of my age, like I remember Vlad so vividly. Yeah. Like you instantly got me involved. Like right, you right, instantly right. caught my attention. I, I just think that they have this chance to almost be like a thing of themselves. We talk about stars in baseball, right? Mm-hmm. And it's stars by committee might be the way that they're going to have to do it if they're going to ever really do it. But the this trio, to me, has that potential to be one of the most popular groups that baseball offers for a decade plus. Yeah, I hear you. And listen, uh, 
outside of the the part that of the second generation piece of this, which is awesome. And by the way, you need to check out some Dante highlights. He was a beast. He was the other power bat for the Colorado Rockies when they had Larry Walker as well and Todd Helton. The middle of that lineup was Todd Helton, Larry Walker, and Dante Bichette. Look the man up. You're gonna like some of the numbers you see. Um, but here's the thing. This is why we talk about this young group of kids. I, I think you're right. I automatically think to the Astros, right? Was Springer, Correa, and Bregman kind of come up. I think of the Cubs and how they came up, right? And it was Rizzo and Bryant and Baez, right? I think of even the Royals, how it was like Hosmer and Gordon, how those guys came up together. The fact that they're all last names that you remember or recognize is definitely intriguing. Let me ask you this. And though, let me just add this because I looked it up. Uh, Lourdes's dad was a Cuban baseball player who did win an Olympic gold medal. Uh, so, senior. so on, I mean, yeah, right. And he's also yeah. another young prospect that they're excited yeah. about. Um, so, yeah, why not? So let me ask you this. Right now I'm seeing Bo Bichette ADP 39, Vlad Guerrero Jr. ADP 66, Kevin Biggio 123, Lourdes Goriel Jr. 148. I was a little bit surprised by that because I thought all the hype was for Vladdy Jr. and that he might be a little bit above, but there's a good 25 spots in between. Which of these kids, Kev, do you think is best equipped to, you know, uh, be the leader of that committee and yeah. overperform. So last year, Vlad, right, kind of got off to a little bit of a rocky start. Right. But, and and look, you want to see if he can get his batting average up, right, like yeah. that's where the excitement will come in. Yeah. And he had a stretch where each month, right, he's getting 100 plate appearances. He had 253, then 255, then 284, then 341. A knee injury in September banged him up a bit, and I think someone of his size, again, it's not very typical for someone of his size to be playing the field every day, right? You worry about little nicks and nags that can come up. But if he can avoid that in a 60-game season and be fully healthy, and maybe I am just biased because it's Vladito, but, like, I want to I want to see Vlad be great. And, so, like, so I think he has that ability. <laughs> he has incredible power. He's going to continue, I think, to just – so get more and more discipline at the plate. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm in on Vlad, but I think I'm in on on all of them. Like the cop out answer is I'm I'm intrigued by all of them. Fair enough. You know, I love Vlad also. Um, so I want him to do well. Remember, Vlad Guerrero Jr. is only 21 years old. Uh, like, look at the step forward we saw in, like, Juan Soto last year, right? Going from 21 to 22 or whatever it was. And here's the thing. You know, I talk about, like, the steamer projections, okay? So I'm up on the Toronto Blue Jays, and I'm sorting their projections by RBIs, okay? They, they expect... Vladdy Jr. to lead the team in ribbies, Goriel to be second, Bichette to be fourth, Biggio to be fifth. The only other one will be Randall Grichuk in there who did kind of lead the team in a lot of categories. So they are going to be led by these kids. I think you're right about the kind of energy that can be here for this team. And if they, if Hyunjin Ryu can be you know, a Cy Young candidate, which he was in the National League. You mentioned some of the kids as well coming up on the pitching side. I I think there's some variance here for this team, okay? Could they come out really hot and be one of those teams that start off 13-3 and three yeah. and everyone's like, oh, snap, look at these kids? Yes. Could Guerrero and Bichette and Guriel take a step back and have a sophomore slump over a prorated over 25 games, which is like half the season? Yes, Kev, they can. Yes, and, and that's totally true. From a fantasy perspective, there is one thing that I wanted to bounce yeah, off. Fire away. I don't really know the answer to this, right? Mm -hmm. You know, Vlad's going to do his thing, and Bo Bichette, the reason why he comes in first in ADP, right? He's supposed to pretty much be like this five-category stud who can cover right. every aspect of it. Kevin Biggio, right, you know, as I was kind of going through a lot of this stuff, people were excited that he offered 20-20 potential, 20 homers, 20 stolen bases, right? Not a lot of guys can do that. And the few that can typically return great value as a pick in fantasy baseball. But steals is also one of the categories that I know sometimes people will say, I'm punting steals, right? You also hear that with saves quite yeah. a bit. And I'm sure at some point we'll broach that topic. But when it comes to steals, right, because the lead, like the league leader cracks double digits, right? And that's 
and not much more than that. Just again, like I, you know, because trying to rate these things. Yeah. How much do you think the steals category will matter this year? Do you think you're going to see like most owners punting that as a category? Well, most owners punted as a category is a different question. Um, okay. You know, because I, I don't I know value. what people are going to do, right? So sure. here's what I'm thinking. I, what I usually do, Kev, is I try to get, you know, you've mentioned the five-tool player, right? And I try to cobble it together, right? I try and get a lot of guys who are going to steal me 15 bases. Um, let's say, Kev, in 160 games, let's say there's only like five players in the major leagues that get 40 stolen bases, Okay, um, in 160 games, a quarter of the games, right? So by that pro rating, I'm gonna say there's only gonna be like four players, five players, six players that are gonna get like 15 steals this season. Okay, that's gonna be where the upper echelon is, right? This year, more than others, I think I might prioritize getting one of those straight steal guys. Getting an Alberto Mondesi kind of guy. Getting a Trey Turner kind of guy. Because I need that in a number of ways. One, I can then be sure that, like, I've got this guy in. I'm competitive in steals right off the bat, right? And what I may even do is roster a guy that's on my bench but a pure steals guy. Because then, if I need to, like in a head-to-head matchup, right, I can have that guy play the weekend on me, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and maybe catch up steals. If I'm Roto, I have that, you know. So I think you're right. Steals are going away anyway, and in this truncated season, it's going to be so con- condensed. I am going to prioritize getting one of the true elite base stealers this year more than in other years. Yeah, and, and I just, you know, you, everyone can use, you know, projections from different places. Just yeah. one place that I looked uh, had seven players offering double-digit steals over a 60-game season. Jonathan yeah, I Villar, hypothesized a handful above 15, right? Yeah, so. Jonathan Villar at 13, Alberto Mondesi led the projections with 18. Trey Turner, Turner. came in with 14. Malik Smith's 15 was the only other guy okay. other than Mondesi to get over 15. Yep. Acuna, Victor Robles, and Starling Marte. That's right. the seven guys that offer double-digit double, double digit steals. So that's the, And I think that's one of the things, right? When you're playing categories, if you find yourself with two of those guys yep. somehow, that's, that is a big difference maker. You almost have now the ability, you know, across the five categories yes. for hitters, offer yourself a check. That's right. Way more weeks than not. Right, so I'm going to be looking at Trey Turner in my first round. Even guys like Whit Merrifield, for example, you know, and those kinds of guys, I may prioritize it because you're right. With all of the things being equal, I'll be happy to have that week-to-week advantage in one category that has been deprioritized in the past. Well, that's our number one. When we turn to our number two, we take a look at the NFL. We'll do that on the early line right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 